Hello, and welcome to episode six of the Redeem the Dream podcast. This is Dan Marsden, and today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com slash redeemthedreampodcast and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Download a title for free and start listening. It's that easy. Go to audibletrial.com slash redeemthedreampodcast. Thank you so much for the support. Really appreciate the love. And today I'd like to introduce a topic that is very near and dear to my heart, something that I believe is very important and something that millions of teenagers and adults alike are dealing with across the country. And if it's something that's not addressed appropriately or worked on appropriately, it's it's something that will affect our lives in a negative way for the rest of our lives. And the issue I'm talking about here is abandonment. Psychology today defines abandonment as when children are raised with chronic loss without the psychological or physical protection they need and certainly deserve, it is most natural for them to internalize incredible fear. Not receiving the necessary psychological or physical protection equals abandonment. And living with repeated abandonment experiences creates toxic shame. Shame arises from the painful message implied in abandonment. You are not important. You are not of value. This is the pain from which people need to heal. Man, this is something that really hits home to me. And I'd like to start this conversation by sharing about three key people in my life that abandoned me, um, that really affected me. I'm going to share how it affected me. And I'm also going to share a few keys that help my journey toward hope after abandonment. So the very first person that abandoned me more than anybody is my father. He wasn't there when I was born. He never showed up to a single birthday of mine, even to this day. I'm going to be 39 this year. I uh, never called or anything like that. Never sent a dime in child support. Granted, you know, there's always two two sides to every story. Um, but him not being around was really, really rough. I remember the very first time I actually met my father. I was five years old. I was born and raised in Germany, but my birth father is from here from the U.S., and uh, my mom and my sister came to visit our American side of the family for the first time for a, sh- for, for a, sh- uh, <laughs> a few short months that turned into a year um, right before we started school. And so I remember, I remember sitting in my grandparents' apartment in Fort Wayne, Indiana, when my father walked in with his new girlfriend, and immediately I knew who he was. I ran up to him. I kicked him in the shin for leaving us, and I, I remember how that affected me. It was rough. And then uh, actually later on in 2000, the year 2000, I was a freshman in college. I would always hang out with a family that kind of became like my family. And uh, at the time, I had already been living in the U.S. I moved here from Germany for several years on my own, and I never told my American side of the family that I was in the U.S., and my grandparents had actually kept sending birthday cards back to Germany for several years. And so I just felt bad. And I contacted my grandparents and said, hey, you guys don't have to send me any more cards to Germany. i actually been living in the U.S. for three, four years now. Just please do me a favor and don't tell my father I'm here because I didn't really want to have anything to do with him. And sure enough, of course, they told him. And one day I came back to this family's house that I was hanging out with um, for that year, my freshman year of college all the time. And they said, hey, your father called. And I said, man, no way. And they said, yes, and you have to call him back. And I said, no, I didn't want to call him back. But thankfully, they made me call him back, and I did. And so we connected, and he offered to fly me down to L.A., which is where he was staying at the time, by Venice Beach, to get to know me and for us to have some time together. And so I did, and 
Thankfully, I took a little extra spending cash with me because when I got picked up by the uh, by him from the airport, he was high at the airport. His friends were high, and uh, we we drove to his little uh, raunchy hotel room that we had for that one night that he rented for us that we could uh, be at while we got to know each other. And we spent the whole day walking around Venice Beach and had some great conversations actually. However, towards the end of the day, he was so drunk that he was hardly able to function anymore. And I remember getting very anxious and nervous and asked to go back to the hotel because I was getting nervous and I didn't really know where the hotel was my first time in Los Angeles. And I wanted to get there before he got too drunk. And all he had to say was, oh, man, there's this drum circle going on on the beach, a.k.a. a bunch of people sitting around in a circle doing drugs, drumming on little drums and protesting for peace or something. And he said, man, you got to check that out. But you can't go empty-handed. And so he went ahead and bought some more liquor or some more beer, and we walked out on the beach and sat down and joined this drum circle. I had my basketball sweats on. I was a college basketball player, and I felt totally out of place here while sitting next to my father and, and all his peers doing what they did. And all of a sudden, this one guy offered people LSD. And, of course, my father takes some, and he starts tripping and hallucinating. At this point, I get really, really nervous. And so I said, hey, man, we got to go. So I pick him up. I drag him off the beach. And I said, hey, man, we got it. How, how do we get to the hotel? Where do we go? And uh, I, he, he didn't really, he was just stumbling and mumbling. And so I just thought I'd, I'd stay along the beach and walk along the sand where, where it was somewhat safe. But he just started stumbling into the neighborhood and said, oh, you're with me. You're safe. You're with me. He started peeing against walls. I saw gangbangers walking by, firing shots in the air. And I just held my head down. And, man, just praying to God that... If he got me out of there alive, I would never hang out with my father again. Sure enough, we made it back to the hotel, and he spent the rest of the night rolling around at the bed, screaming and yelling and swearing and cussing and hallucinating and uh, not not in the right state of mind. And so I actually had to wake up the hotel manager to get me a, hotel, uh, a taxi for the next morning to get to the airport to get back to San Jose where I was going to college. And, uh, man, that was that was a tough experience, and there was another summer after that where I spent a whole month with him and the experience was very similar and so that really hurt me and injured me and that abandonment really affected me I'm I'm cool with him today but man not having a father in your life or your father abandoning you and, and having those experiences really affects you obviously we're way more likely to grow up in poverty which I did and have all kinds of other problems if a father is missing the second person that abandoned me was my mother. Even though I grew up with my mom in Germany, a single mom on welfare, and, and I know she did the best she could for the years that I was with her there, and and I, I was really felt okay even with, with some, you know, every once in a while some, some physical abuse and emotional abuse. I, I knew it was hard, and when I left at 16 and moved to the U.S. on my own, I really wanted to make her proud. Ironically, I didn't really start feeling truly abandoned by her, by her until after I left, when I came to the U.S. Because she actually came to the U.S. years later as well. And uh, she would visit me, for example, at, at my college campus and look around and say things like, can you even get a job when you graduate from here? And uh, came to just very few basketball games, and, and her new husband told her I was no good, so she told me I was no good. And in the summer of 2002, which is... Uh, the summer after my sophomore year of college, I actually spent a little bit of time at her house and her new husband's house 
um, after I had spent time with my father, which he was angry about. And once I got there, I had spent a month with my father, and it went real bad. I wasn't eating for several days at a time, so I was real hungry by the time I got there. And once I got to her house, she's married to someone, mind you, that's making a great income. They have plenty of resources, but she told me I could not help myself to any food unless they were eating. And so if I wasn't there when they were eating, I guess I wasn't eating. And one time I was so hungry, I helped myself to a glass of milk and a sandwich. My mother comes up from behind me and she says to me, what are you doing? And I said, hey, I, I'm, I'm so hungry. I'm making myself a sandwich and pouring myself a glass of milk. She said, is that your milk? Is it your sandwich? All I had was $2 left to my name. And so I offered her the $2 and wanted to buy the glass of milk from her because I know I couldn't afford the sandwich too. And she took both away from me and said, stick to the water. At that point, I turned and walked away. I, I didn't know if I should laugh or cry at that. But it really made me realize, man, if she treats me that way, how could she love me? That's just total abandonment. It was awful. And actually, uh, after I graduated college, my dream was always to go play professional basketball in the country that I grew up in, which is Germany. And uh, my sister is still living in Germany, to the States, still lives in Germany. And prior to me leaving, she called my sister and told her that I would be back soon, that I wouldn't make it. And I'm just chasing a dead dream. Those are all things that really left some major scars. And I could go on. The list just goes on. But those are some key points that really affected me in regards to abandonment from my parents. And then finally, there's a, a coach, a basketball coach that I had met that helped me or was supposed to help me move to the United States. See, the, the summer after my freshman year of high school, I played on a, a German tour team, and we toured all over California and Oregon and went to camps and scrimmaged a couple high schools. And every coach we played against or we met, I got their address. And so when I came home from my sophomore year of high school in Germany, I wrote each of those coaches a letter asking them for help to move to the United States. One guy returns my letter and makes promise after promise that he would take care of me and that he would help me find a place to live once I moved to the U.S. And I was so excited. And, and man, I was saving my money. I was working. Finally, once I actually bought my plane ticket, which was only a one-way ticket because that's all I could afford to Portland, Oregon, he bailed out on me and told me that finding a family is something that I had to do on my own. And so I was shocked, and I asked for some some advice from him or if, if there's anybody that he could connect me with that might be interested in taking me in. And he gave me a number of a random family that he worked with, this lady he worked with that had a family that might be interested. So I cold call her, tell her what's going on. And she felt sorry for me and said that they would definitely pick me up from the airport and take me in for at least the first few months. And then we could see from there what's going on. So at 16 years old, the summer after my sophomore year of high school, I take this one-way ticket to Portland, Oregon. And I show up at the airport after I traveled for 27 hours. And this family that was supposed to take me in did not show up at the airport at all. So I completely was abandoned. Immediately made me a homeless teenager in a foreign country. I let, I waited for hours and hours and nobody came. I couldn't get a hold of any appropriate person for hours. And that really, really left a mark on me in, in terms of being abandoned by this coach and just left. Actually, years and years later, almost 20 years later, I got a random email from him checking to see if I was still alive, probably. It was just really strange. But that really compounded some of the abandonment I went through. Now, there's been a lot more experiences than that, but these are just kind of three key people in my life that abandoned me 
in key moments of my life and things just started to compound. And some of the ways that that really affected me was, first of all, that I always felt less than with the way I grew up on welfare, single mom, that was just such an emotional mess that couldn't really protect us in, in any way and was so so consumed with their own problems that I never really felt like I had a family and I always felt like I was less than and I never really had the same opportunities as a lot of my peers had. I always felt like I had to work two, three times as hard and do two, three times as much just to get the same level of achievement or opportunity as my peers. Secondly, I always felt weak a lot of times because mainly because of my father that wasn't around. We all know if there's no father in the house, the likelihood of poverty is very high. The likelihood of someone falling into drugs or getting into legal trouble or staying in poverty, being emotionally damaged, being in abusive relationships are so much higher. A father's role is to, to model certain things like teaching their sons to be men, how to treat women, how to provide for a family, how to be emotionally healthy, how to honor God, how to walk with God, how to stand up for yourself. Those types of things, they're supposed to provide that. And when that's not there, it leaves a huge, huge gaping hole in a person's life, especially a son's life. And I know it made a huge, huge impact on my life not having him there. And then I just never felt good enough for anything or anyone. And it just confirmed it when I got ditched at the airport when I moved to the U.S. and in so many other ways. And actually, the story went on after I got ditched at the airport. I don't have a lot of time to get into it. But through a long story, I ended up in this small town on the Oregon coast called Walport and Graciously enough, the, one of the high school teachers there allowed me to live with him for that year, which was my junior year of high school, my first year in the U.S. But I was in a small town where it was unavoidable for me not to hear at least once a week or once every other week from somebody that no, I wasn't liked in that town to go back to my country, that no one liked me here anyway. My teammates, my basketball teammates would pour chocolate pudding down my neck on away games sometimes and throw me against the van and tell me to go back to my effing country. I got fired from my job there because I had an accent, because I was too European, and apparently that was bad for business. And there was really nobody I could turn to. One time I had a conversation with the assistant coach of the basketball team at the high school, and he said, that's just how it is here. You can either deal with it or you can leave. Well, it is, as, as a teenager, and especially in such a vulnerable time, that was just so damaging for me. And I didn't really realize it then how damaging it was because I was just in survival mode and fight mode. And I know I'm going to make it mode, but it really, really made a huge impact on my life. And it was damaging, especially because I had no one there to process it with. I didn't even have, I didn't have a parent to turn to that I could cry on their shoulder or just share what I'm going through. It was just me out there. And it was extremely difficult and extremely damaging to, to my confidence, too. My coach told me I'll ne I would never play in college, even though I did end up playing in college, to try something I'm good at. And it was just, it affected me in so many different ways. And, man, actually, even to the point to, I was I was blessed enough to play in college, even play a little bit professionally. But even through throughout those times, as I was playing at those higher levels, I would get these flashbacks that were just so crippling that just reminded me of these um, of these issues related to abandonment that I was just worthless and I would shoot air balls sometimes from 10, 15 feet because I would just feel so zapped when it would take me back to that place psychologically and emotionally of what I was going through because the people that were supposed to be looking out for me, the people that are supposed to be protecting me, failed to do so. And that is, as as we just learned, the definition of abandonment. And so 
where's hope in all this man? <laughs> man it's 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 a tough journey it's a long journey and i know a lot of us are dealing with abandonment issues and different things and so i think it's an important conversation to have even as believers it's hard and it's okay not to be okay sometimes and so here are some keys i'm just going to touch on three keys that really really help me process this and find hope after abandonment and I thank God that even while I was going through all these things that I just described, I was already a believer. I, I knew the truth, and yet it didn't really resonate in my heart sometimes because I was going through it. And I try to hang on cognitively to the truth, but, man, I was just suffering through these things and, and, and dealing with the consequences of these things. And to this day, it's still it's still something that I need to address to be emotionally healthy and constantly check myself on. And so it's it's really a long journey and something that, that we will deal with for, for a long time, and that's okay. So here are three keys to find hope after abandonment that I found very, very helpful. The number one is believe the truth even if it doesn't make sense. Believe the truth even if it doesn't make sense. We know what the Bible says, that God loves us, that we are his children, that he is now our father. Those are things that we need to believe. And I'm just going to share one small verse that, man, that everybody should, <laughs> that, that deals with these things should, should know and learn by heart. And that could be very encouraging. And that's found in Psalm. Psalm chapter 27, verse 10 says this. Even if my father and mother abandon me, the Lord will hold me close. I will say this again. Even if my father and mother abandon me, the Lord will hold me close. Man, how encouraging is that? And that's the truth. That is the truth. That is the truth of who you are, of who I knew I was. And and one thing that I had to do and that helped me keep going to the next level and the next level in life, high school, college, and beyond, uh, somewhat successfully, was holding on to that truth, even if it didn't make sense, even if I had these, these crippling experiences. I had to hold on, and I knew I had to hold on. By the grace of God, I did. But that really is the key. So if you're in the middle of that struggle and you, you really feel like maybe there is no hope, I encourage you, hold on to the truth. God's word is truth. Hold on to it. That is the number one key. The number two key is to fight for intimacy with God. Please, fight for intimacy with God. That is so important to develop that intimacy with him. And and with that, I'd like to share one verse as well that, that really, really helped me throughout the years. Actually, several verses, and that's Jeremiah 29, 11, all the way through 14. And I'm going to share that right now. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. There are plans for good, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. In those days when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. I will be found by you, says the Lord. I will end your captivity and restore your fortunes. I will gather you out of the nations where I sent you and will bring you home again to your own land. Man, this is God speaking to the people of Israel at the time. And so I... That, that is so important. There's that promise to the remnant that God is making to his people that say, hey, if you hold on to me, I will bring you back out. I will restore you. I have a plan for you. And I feel like God is saying the same things to us today, that he will be found by those who seek him because we know that God is always present and he's always at work and he always meets us in reality, in our reality. And so that is something that is really, really important to remember. So fight for that intimacy with God. He will speak to you and he will encourage you through his spirit. Man, there's nothing better than that. And then finally, finally, the final thing that, that, that I would you know, encourage everyone to do is simply not give up. 
not give up. Not give up and understand. And, and, and this is something that took me years to get, years to get. But here's the great thing, that it's most likely that if, if you've experienced a lot of abandonment and pain through abandonment, it is most likely that God, or actually I, it, for sure, know that God will use it in some way. But it's very likely that it's through that exact pain of abandonment that God will reveal his purpose for you. But you can't get to that point if you give up. You have to hold on. God is developing you. God is using every ounce of pain that you've been through, that we've been through. And he's going he's gonna to use it to his glory. And it's going to be amazing. And he's going to do something amazing with it and give you an amazing hope if you hang on in due time. And so I'd like to share a verse from Romans for that that hopefully will encourage you from chapter 5, a few verses here, 3 through 5. And it says this, We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. And so, man, how awesome is that? That the hope that we have in God, is it will not lead to disappointment. And that is a powerful, just a powerful thing to remember. So I encourage you, please do not give up because he will reveal his purpose to you eventually if, if you don't give up. There's, there is that hope. So keys to hope, man. Believe in the truth. Fight for that imp- intimacy with God because that intimate relationship with God will carry you through, will inspire you, will, will give you incredible strength. And hope. And then don't give up because God will reveal his plan and his purpose for you specifically. And you will be able to walk in it if you just don't give up. Man, I I can say that I'm now finally starting to walk in that and finally am beginning to get to that point in my life as I get to lead an organization called Redeem the Dream, a youth outreach organization here in southern Indiana or actually Kentuckiana because we serve some youth in Louisville, Kentucky as well. And we get to work with students that are marginalized, that are falling through the cracks, and we get to give them hope. And I know that if I wouldn't have experienced some of the things that I experienced, that I would not have earned the right to speak into these students' lives and to actually be used to affect life change. And I'm so thankful now for these things. So thankful now for these, these, these crazy, hard experiences of abandonment because as God is healing me from these things and leading me through these things and leading me into hope despite those things, he is allowing me to use those experiences truly to facilitate hope in other students and other young people across the country and especially in this area for now. And it's just, it just excites me. And it, it, it's something that is really, really, really exciting. And I hope that that, that this finds you in a place where it gives you hope and inspires you as well that if you're not in that place yet to where you don't know what your purpose is yet where you where you feel like maybe there is no hope or you can't get through all the issues that abandonment have caused in your life maybe professionally maybe in your intimate relationships maybe in all areas of your life but i encourage you once again to go through these steps that i just that i just described in regards to believing the truth fighting for intimacy with God, and not giving up. And I promise you, you will not be disappointed. And so in closing, I would like to thank our second sponsor of the show, Strikeforce Energy, for supporting us as well. They're a great veteran-owned company, actually, that offers delicious energy drinks and some great apparel. Please check them out at strikeforceenergy.com slash discount slash RTD to enjoy a great discount on us and all of their products and support our podcast as well. 
Also, please, 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 please hit me up with any comments or concerns. And I would also love to learn about how you found your way to hope after abandonment, how your journey looked like, what helped you, what got you to that place. So please shoot me an email at Dan at Dan, sorry, at Dan at redeem dash the dash dream.org. And I'd love to continue this conversation with you. Other than that, God bless y'all. And uh, until next time, bye-bye.